Hey, this is the Not Your Average Joe podcast. My name is Joe and this week's episode is a bit special. Now, every episode is special, but this one is that much more special. Not only because it's late, by the way, I apologize for that. It is special because it is an article. Yes, the words that are going to be said, well, most of the words that are going to be said on this podcast are not going to be my own. So for the past few years, I have been obsessed absolutely obsessed with audiobooks it is one of the great discoveries that i made during the 2020 pandemic and i wanted to kind of give that treatment to a news article and since we did pass a very interesting milestone here in uganda on the 26th i thought hey why don't i do an article that commemorates the 36 years of the rule of the NRM government and of course the president Yori Kaguta Museveni. So this article is meant to actually be my little way of letting my little voice be heard on this very great occasion. And hey, if you enjoy it, why don't you tell me about it? Tell me what you liked about it. Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. That is at Joe Tabs. Enjoy. On Museveni's 36th anniversary, the untold secret to his long rule. An article written by Charles Onyango Bo for the Daily Monitor's Ear to the Ground. This January 26, Uganda's ruling national resistance, the NRM, and President Yuri Museveni mark 36 years in power. By the end of this eighth Museveni term, two of them unelected, he will have been in power almost exactly twice as long as the previous seven governments that preceded him combined. The only other earthly power to have ruled post-1884 Uganda longer than Museveni is the British colonial regime. Such a log record can never be down to luck, a grant from the gods, or the fecklessness of the king's opponents. To start with, Coming to power after 20 years of instability and conflict, Museveni found a largely tattered state. It was all but a clean slate. And he had the astuteness to realize that, and that allowed him to rebuild as his own apparatus without any institutionalized opposition. And he did. A country exhausted by conflict and state terror needed peace and quiet. Outside the north and the northeast that remained ravaged by conflict, the Museveni government delivered peace in the lower east, south and west. Mothers, tired of seeing their children and husbands murdered and jailed, were grateful and swung massively for Museveni. The opposition made a mistake, and for years they were scornful about how people can't eat peaceful sleep. Turns out, they did. After a series of false steps, in 1988, the NRM launched the liberal economic and market reforms that created a lot of wealth, admittedly for a few, but for Museveni, it meant he had an economic class in the country 
which saw him as its high priest. However, even if you have your bread, you need some butter or jam to eat it with. For the Museveni government, the butter was a mix of violence, repression, and vote rigging. The jam was economic growth. Then Museveni understood from Ugandan history that he needed to build the military into a formidable political force and to firmly control it. He did both. Perhaps less appreciated has been Museveni's ability to co-opt his opponent's ideas. The idea of Universal Free Primary Education UPE, was first floated by Democratic Donian Paul Kawanga Semo Gerere in his manifesto in the 1996 election. Museveni just grabbed and made it his. In 2001, so many ideas, including virtually all the agricultural sector reforms that have been made since, were first noted by Dr. Kiza Besije. Museveni did his thing and the rest is history. If you think about it, Semo Gerere and Besije are actually ruling Uganda, but they are not in power. A lot of it seems like long ago, as the NRM government has now ruled forever, and the Senate condemned others for trying to do, and the corruption, nepotism, violence, election cheating it despised, have now become among the things it's famous for. Additionally, a large enough number of people have seceded from Uganda Museveni and after struggling to make a living and thrive independent of it, we have five Ugandas in one. One of those Ugandas is the one grown from the privileged NRM, several children of regime heavies, espousing a more cosmopolitan and inclusive Uganda culturally progressive and who have turned their backs on their parents' ugly politics. They have created a moderate ambiguity to the Museveni government among several Ugandans, where there would have been only visceral hatred. Other forces that enabled him are more complex to unpack. Ugandans and other Africans, for example, Note that Ugandans on social media make fun of the worst things in their country to levels that others simply don't. It's a coping mechanism, yes, but it is passive political resistance too. A significant part of the country seems to have reached a point where it actually needs the government to be incompetent, for leaders to make fools of them, to thieve, to be tribal, and even violent. The signs are that this allows them to despise the leaders and for them to see their oppressive rulers who they can't change through fair election as inferior to them. They see its political and state functionaries and business allies as talentless and uncouth who have jobs and wealth they have only through state patronage and plunder. And Museveni? Well, he's no pan-African, grand visionary, modernizer or philosopher king. He's just in it for himself and his clan, not for something bigger. A small man, no better than Idi Amin or Milton or Bote. If tomorrow Museveni stopped fiddling votes, 
ended the violence and released political prisoners, jailed the corrupt, and appointed young, bright, talented ministers and officials who represented the broad face of the country, the opposition and most of Uganda would be in crisis and panic. They wouldn't know how to respond and they would think something was terribly wrong with him. Uganda isn't ready for good Museveni, and it probably doesn't want good Kaguta either. And that is his meal ticket. An article by Mr. Onyango Po, a journalist, writer, and curator of the Great Wall of Africans. You can find him on Twitter at C. Opo.